Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. With me again is Darby. Hey. All right. We are doing another uh, great horror film where uh, specifically we solved the puzzle box. That's right. We're covering from 1987, Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Oh, man. Is this such a classic, like, epic 80s horror film. Yeah, I think this had to have been one of the most disgustingly erotic things that I watched at that age. Like, yeah, this this warped me forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Barker has been very clear over the years that, you know, he never once wrote Pinhead to be a, or any of the Cenobites to be a specific kind of like fan favorite character. He says, you know, Pinhead good always does horrible things terrifying things and yet every week he gets fan letters from women who want to have his baby yeah that's that's the thing it's there is a sex i mean we're talking about clyde barker there's a sexual nature to all of his monsters that this film successfully uh mines in a very careful way though unfortunately as he said this wasn't he he wasn't allowed to get away what he wanted to get away with, but he got yeah, away with a lot. Yeah, he had to cut out a lot. They wanted to put an X rating on this. Oh, yeah. he. Well, it's funny, too. As he says, the stuff he had to fight more was the conventional sex stuff. Uh, like, is he, you know, that, yeah, he said, like, there's a whole bunch of footage that I don't know where it's at, but it's like, you know, as he said, sodomy stuff that he had to cut. And I'm like, yeah. Weird when you talk about the ratings board. Then American Psycho had a similar problem. You can't have, like, reference to sodomy sex in films, or you can only have so much thrusting. And I'm thinking this, like, nowadays that seems so ridiculous, but that's still, like, how the ratings boards are. They don't seem to understand, like, what's okay and what's not okay to get, like, a, you know, back then it would have been the X rating. Now it would get you to NC-17. Right, right. Yeah, I I was, I would love to see the stuff that is not included. Yeah, I did a little digging. Uh, I did a little digging. Some of it's, like, just more, like, word play than it is an actual, like, stuff, because it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For those of you who haven't seen Hellraiser, pause this movie, go watch it. It's available right now, actually, on uh, Amazon Prime. So you can watch it pretty, and I think it's Tubi for as well. So it's pretty easy to access. Uh, but the sense of the plot is, is this uh, guy, this sadistic guy, gets his hands on the uh, on the mysterious uh, box puzzle box that is the Cenobites box. He solves it, and then you know we see later he gets ripped to shreds, and then a few sometime later his brother and his wife take over his house they move in and uh his uh cuts his hand and drips some blood on the floor and that helps resurrect his br- is a twisted psycho brother who then begins this process of trying to resurrect himself and on top of that it, it turns out his uh wife and his brother have a good affair so it becomes like a sexual game for them and you know w- w- essentially his daughter has to stop him uh in the process and in the and unfortunately, find yourself making a deal with the Cenobites. So it's a pretty messed up film. Uh, very low budget, too. You know, Barker directed this himself because he was fed up with the few adaptations that had been made of his stuff. So he wrote, directed this, and financed it pretty much on his own. Uh, very low budget, very small budget at that. And, you know, he's said many times, like, he didn't know what he was doing because he never directed anything. He couldn't tell you the difference between lens types or whatever. It was very small uh, crew he hired. Uh, and he ran out of money at the end for some of the the effects, which is you know 
a lot of people like to make fun of the ending effects, which, you know, as he said, they were drunk trying to do a DIY at the end. So uh, it's, uh, but it's a really interesting film if you break it down without having to, like, if you just talk about it, it's more interesting at times than it is actually seeing it. Yeah. yeah. The, the changes, the, the things that, they, that the, the production company asked for Barker to do, too, like the, the score, they, they had Christopher Young do it instead of this band Coil that yeah. uh, Barker originally wanted. You know, and this was originally set in Britain. Like, yep. I don't know if you, I, I seem to remember as part of what kind of, th- I don't know, maybe threw me a little bit watching it. I thought maybe, you know, it was because I'm watching this old film on TV. You know, they, they, they made it made for TV, I think is the first place that I ever watched it on like USAA or yep. I don't know, HBO or something when I was a kid. Um, but the, the voices sounded a little off to me come to find out that they it was originally set in in Great Britain and they moved it to America so some of the dialogue is redubbed to American accents see this is where it's more complicated it's actually he makes a comment we're on your turf in England so they only they the, he agreed to switch some of the characters to be American but like all the guys she brings back they got like mild British accents they're all supposed to be Brits except for uh, I guess the dad, the daughter, and uh, and uh, Uncle Frank. Everybody else is basically British, so it's supposed to be in Britain, but they drop all the idea that they, and the idea they're all supposed to be English act uh, English accents. So I don't, oh, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's where it gets more confusing because things he kind of agreed to it mostly because he wanted to make sure and the, the studio, the small studio who was financing said it'll play better in America if they're American, which. I don't think that really would have made a difference, but I understand their ta- their take. If it's a Brit all British, you know, film, it may be like, well, it's only a British movie because a lot of British horror films from the seventies did not play well in America simply because of that. So I, I understand their reason. You know, like a lot of people didn't see The Wicker Man until way later in time, despite the fact how disturbing that film was. So you know, it makes sense what they were saying, but. What, you know, this dubbing was so poorly done that it's, you know, you might as well have been in a, a bad uh, kung fu dubbing. When I found that out, I was like, I felt like I was no longer crazy. I was like, oh, that's what it is then. Okay. Yeah, that's, and that's sort of the issue. It's like, it's an putting movie to begin with. <laughs> but, and sometimes their lips match, and sometimes there's a couple of things where it's clearly they drop the British, uh, you know, there's a British slang change. So, the way they're talking, it's a little off. Uh, you know, the actors are not really doing good accents when it comes to uh, the um, American version, I guess. Uh, and he, like he said, he wanted to put out a British cut, but uh, he says that footage is, or the original dialogue or recordings are missing too. Like he just didn't know what he was doing, so he didn't know how to preserve that stuff. Ah, oh, shame, shame. You know, the, the 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 time of the extended cut, the director's cut, you know, was uh that was a good heyday. Throw a you know, give me some of the original Hellraiser footage and I think I'd I'd sit through yeah. another rewatch. Hey, wait, I think I'm sitting through another rewatch of this. <laughs> yeah, he was able to save footage for Nightbreed, but he wasn't able to save footage for um Hellraiser. And that's like the difference. Like that's why after he did Nightbreed, he really didn't really got he's kind of stayed out of directing after that. But you know, one of the things I praise this film is just the, you know, 
Himself's a painter. He writes incredibly you know, intense stories. This film does a really good job of bringing those image, those like descriptions to life. Yeah, the Cinnabites are flat out some of the greatest monster creations ever done. Oh, cra- did you read the book? I haven't read the book, which I find is a moral failing upon my part. I, because- I want, I've always wanted to read it, but uh, aside from the Harry DeMille stories, I really have avoided doing the, yeah, the, the Hellraiser trilogy because even he will admit that. You know, he didn't, he was, you know, sometimes he just writes stuff for the sake of writing. So, uh, yeah, he was, I, I suspect, it, it's, at least my understanding is like, you know, the, the differences are very specific. You know, the title was not Hellraiser, you know, the Hellbound Box. It's, he eventually kind of, as he started working on other stories, he kind of adapted it for more how the movies went. So, I, it's one thing I don't really like, but, you know, like Lord of the Illusion, those characters, you know, the Harry characters i i like those stories those are very good and i was disappointed when laura Louisians was not a hit because that would have been a big deal for barker's characters um in fact we're gonna eventually do that one because i got a buddy of mine he's obsessed with that movie so uh hopefully maybe you and will and others can talk about oh yeah. hell yeah and i do love me some nicholas cage <laughs> oh no it was scott bacula in that one. Oh, that it was it was scott bacula that i remember yes it was so weird seeing him on the big screen yep uh, that was his first post uh, quantum leap project. So, uh, but no, uh, like I said, when we talk about this film, you know, it, it, there's, it's not, what we call it. There's no major stars. It's really the characters that matter, you know? And uh, yeah, like I said, one of the things I read he had to cut was just the, uh, the, the qual- the type of sex that the, uh, the wife and the, uh, uh, and the uncle have. It, it's more, gra- it's more like, it, it's funny. Like he said, it, they, or okay if we uh, she's using a blade to cut you know try to pull cut her clothes but not to reference the you know there's a line they cut where she's like i, I i'm not on birth control it goes don't, don't worry you won't get pregnant so it's but yeah which is the code word was like he what you know they were having you know anal sex and you know that was something they uh, referenced quite a few times there's supposed to be there's supposed to be a sex scene with frank uh, when he's in his monster form before he uh, takes his brother's skin also that they cut, you know, they trim down like the actual scene where he's, she and the father are are trying to have sex and he starts kind of like mocking, like he's going to skin him alive. That, that was supposed to be more intense also. Like everything got toned down a little bit. And uh, I think it's interesting also, they apparently toned down, they had to tone down how awful uncle Frank was too. Like there's a lot of references that, he was he'd molested uh, his his niece several times, or at least tried to. You know, they leave they uh, they that didn't make the cut, which I don't understand how you need to make you can't make this guy more messed up. Uh, he was pretty awful. Like, yeah, yeah no, I, I they made him unlikable from the freaking get go, and I had no absolutely no um oh this poor dude. Yeah, so like I said, it's very weird. You know what? Yeah, you know, a lot of people can talk about how Hellraiser was the film where what he couldn't get away with, but it's still a really good film. I mean, there are details in here that are just messed up. You know, yeah. You know, when Frank explains what the Cenobites are, he goes, "They brought me a pleasure I could ne- and a pain I could never describe." The idea is it was he loved and hated what they did to him at the same time, which is fascinating. You know, the Cenobites for themselves as travelers, not like keepers of hell. It's Right, yeah, they don't see themselves as as being uh, from a, a hell dimension. They're a true neutral. <laughs> uh, I would, even, uh, I would not use like, true neutral for them, but definitely like, uh, like, don't give a fuck at oh, yeah. all. I mean, that's, like, uh, it, or like, no, uh, 
they uh, for them it's like they're past this uh the, the they're like the uh, uh the number on a scale of one and ten to thirteen <laughs> it's like <laughs> completely inert to anything like you know chocolate doesn't phase these people <laughs> no it's like uh yeah whatever a lot of hooks I mean blood you know, it's like everything that you would not be allowed to do in any kind of adult movie they do so it's like oh yeah. I mean, if uh, admittedly, like if Barker had just, just hired like an adult film crew to make this film, it might have and released it as a as a porn film. He might have gotten away with more, but you and then he might not have been allowed to be released. <laughs> it's such a strange, like what a, you know what happens and what doesn't happen. And the Austrian point: this film is very tame. Like there is not much sex in this film, despite the fact that the Cenobites are very you know, SMM you know style, like you know. Yeah, we see none of that with the with the Cenobites. It's all the humans that are having uh, are having sex. And even then, it's like I mean, it's mid eighties, so I think that's part of it. But it's like it could have been more. I think they made this in the late seventies during the exploitation era when you had you know more graphic stuff like last uh, last house and left and I spin your grave. They would it would he would have gotten away with more stuff that way. Mm, Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in the you know we're talking late eighties, it's or mid eighties really when he started making this film. It's not the same, you know. It, the crowd's different, but the film, the actual monsters were what the big sell that you know, and you know, Pinhead and the Cenobites, you know, they're on the same par, say, a fandom as you know, Freddy, Jason, uh, you know, Leatherface. All of them have a certain kind of, you know, like they the mo- the monster is the the look of the monster is more important than the actual what happens and. You know, here though they do a pretty good job. I've always said also if John Carpenter had worked with uh, Barker on this, I think it would be even more messed up. And I think he could have pulled, he could have figured out the tricks that Barker couldn't uh, get away with. Oh God, no, that's a thought right there. That is that is a thought experiment that would leave somebody sleepless. Yeah, because when I watch this, I, I look, I think of stuff like the thing. I think of stuff like. Uh, uh, the Sentinel, um, you know, uh, Lord, you know, uh, uh, you know, in the mouth of madness. You know, those are mm, one of you know, my those, favorites. Yeah, and those are all films where similar concepts. Are there, it's very Barky, and although it's, I mean, they all are essentially H.P. Lovecraft inspired. You know, Barker has said, you know, Lovecraft is definitely a influence on him. So, you know, like I said, it's the case once again where he wanted to try, and you know, direct, writers around this time were directing their stuff. Michael Crichton had directed quite a few of his projects. Stephen King had finally tried after hating a lot of his films to make, you know, who, you know, make of course uh maximum overdrive. So it's not out of the scope that a, a writer would want to adapt his own stuff. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, he said, especially what, after being burned like he was. Oh yeah. I mean, he's still not happy about the rights for this film. I mean, that's the reason there's been so many really poor Hellraiser sequels is because the deal he made did not, you know, uh, give him control after basically after two. I mean, I've always said this too. I think Hellraiser Two is a better movie overall because they had the money and some more technical stuff to pull it off, but it's not as like creepy as this one. Yeah, it's it's almost like comparing the um the 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 how how the Alien franchise went. Yes. Like you, you had it. You had a solid start. You had an even better sequel, and then it gets questionable. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've we've discussed issues with uh, Prometheus and some of the other ones on this show. But uh, but entertaining. I like. I haven't watched the. I haven't watched the reboot yet. But um, you know, 
back to the original. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about the other ones in two time. Yeah, I quit watching after Hellraiser four. I mean, and if you look at the credits, like there, it's usually like code names for people who quit or did, who took the name off of them. So like, there's quite a few like um, um, Alan Smithy's worked on some of the uh, later ha- um, um, Hellraiser projects. So it's it's frustrating, and you know, but at the same time, the popularity of the characters are most most important. You know, the Cenobites are just so iconically disturbing. You know. Oh yeah. I, I did. Um, now, I don't remember if the Cenobites, somebody once had a theory that they were based on particular sexual deviancies or, or the, you know, the seven deadly sins um, is where they were, you know, uh, with they're, a loose origination. The, but I could never make them fit. <laughs> like they're well, just, they're, they're so broad. Like for uh, you know the the piggy one, uh, that's definitely like a glutton sloth kind of you know thing. Uh, I think you know for Pinhead is definitely wrath or and maybe envy to an extent. Although the uh, female Cenobite, she might be envy uh, or lust. Uh, the chat, the teeth one, that's always the one I'm a little confused about. But once again, when we're talking about Barker, his his views were religion you know, and sex are kind of so all over the place that, that probably explains some of it, you know, yeah, we, you know, Barker's gay and, you know, he doesn't try to hide that, but you know, he doesn't, you know, th- these are straight characters, which I think I, I almost wonder if, if now if he'd gotten away with doing it, he would have probably, there would have been a lot more, uh, you know, like bisexual homosexual tendencies to this. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you know, they definitely imply that, um, Uncle Frank's is basically he'll tr- do anything kind of. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, he's 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 down for it all. That described as a, uh, a a hedonist. Yes. To the nth degree, and yeah. you know, looking for that that ultimate pleasure that he still hadn't found. Yeah, and the Cenobites apparently do give him that, but it's at the cost, which is you know shows how kind of foolish he is. Yeah, it's clear when he's solving a box, he knows what's coming. That's why he's got himself this empty room to do whatever they want to do to him. But I think he once. He- I, I don't know as if he was expecting the pain, though. I think he was still looking for, you know, he, he thought this was going to be ecstasy without any sort of pain. He seemed to, to me, it looked like he was genuinely surprised that we were now going to be dismembering ourselves. Yeah, the hooks were the surprise, I think. He figured it would be the most depraved act possible, and you know he does get uh, literally get that, but in the most like disturbingly uh, gruesome way as well. So I mean, we like so we only get we only see the aftermath. You know, we see the in, the 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 stuff they've left out. We see him ripped to his you know parts of him everywhere. Like we see the after effect. Yeah, and he he doesn't say it was horrible. He says it was the most pain and pleasure i'd ever experienced so it's like he loved and hated it at the same time so it was like you know no safe words for him <laughs> yeah huh that okay. is uh the, the 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 definition of cnc right there isn't it it's, that's actually that's the truth i think you know barker's very deep into that and i think this film does a really really good job of kind of at least meant kind of implying it you know his uh you know the uh, the wife the stepmother is definitely into some kind of uh, darker side that the uncle brings out to her that her husband is not able to at all kind of provide. And I, you know, they, you know, I don't think it's like a dom dominatrix uh, or a dom and sub scenario because she's definitely very dominating 
as well but it's like there's right I, I, it's just more animalistic and and raw and exactly. i don't know mean yeah, she that- comes across as mean and ugly like the whole time yeah and he he clearly does not care there's that for you know for frank there is no line everything's possible uh i think she does have some kind of like reserve and it comes a few things like you know you know she doesn't mind you know killing these guys to help him get his uh the blood to reform his body disturbs her at first but then she also seems to enjoy the fact that she's you know the actual thrill after the fact she, she likes it's right which is you know how she wound up with frank in, in the first place is I, I you know very proper and he comes in and he's all like mm, let's do this bad shit and she's like no and then ooh, yeah and then you know she's all she's suckered into it for life now yeah and the thing is, is so uh, they wisely make her the you know the next return for the second film so and uh yeah i like I, said, I think it's interesting you know the the darkness but also you know just the uh smm you know a lot of i mean i know there's a lot of people who definitely bought smm gear because they saw something of it in you know in a hellraiser film and didn't seem to know what they were doing but it's like there's thematics that this film really really likes to deal you know dig deep into but at the same time, I do get frustrated because I feel like, you know, I wish he had a little more creative freedom. More importantly, I wish he had some people with him who could have showed him a little more details or some tricks that probably could have gotten him around this battle he had to do with for the film. But, I, you know, I, 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 honestly, though, the kind of I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to make this because I, this is what I want to do. I think works also well. You know, the only issue I've always had is the final few bits. You know, when each of the Cenobites dissolve back in the box. All of them. Yeah. It's like they all, it's bad, you know, animation. And then the house burning is, <laughs> yeah, he said very much, we ran out of money. <clears throat> we kind of had to yeah. just figure out what to do. So they showed a picture of it burning and then, oh, the house is gone. I was like, yeah, that's, that doesn't work. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, they under, they had to cut, you know, the mysterious man who's been stalking her, you know, who's eating, you know, bugs. He turns into this, I guess he's supposed to be a demon, but it's like even then, that's so poorly executed. Like lich to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, and it's such a bad effect that it kind of, it does it doesn't hurt the film, but it once again kind of you know, in, it kind of doesn't work work because in the fact that then the box just winds back in the hands of the mysterious man who sells in the beginning. You know, it's like, is that supposed to be him? Is it a minion of, like, is the guy serving the Cenobites? Like, there's a lot about the, the ending that's kind of uh, un, unresolved. Right. Do we know? Well, you, you haven't read the book. I was like, do we know if that, you know, do we have those details in the book that we don't get in the movie? Because there's just never enough time for that. I, I have to assume, you know, I feel kind of bad as well, because I'm kind of wanting to read it, but also, like, do I really want to? Because I don't know if I'm going to be satisfied or not. Uh, and even he's been kind of, he tends to be a little critical about his own writings during certain times of his career. Cause he feels like sometimes like he was more inspired. Other times he was maybe not in the best, like sober estates when he would write some of his stuff. So, and he said, you know, the effects at the end of the movie were pretty bad, partially because he and the guy trying to finish them were just on a massive uh, wine bender. So, Oh, well, they're, He's like, I'd just be amazed if we got something to work at all, considering how much wine we we drank over the course of a weekend. Like they finished this is the eighties. Why were they drinking wine? Didn't they have something stronger? Well, he, <laughs> he loves drink. That's his. Th- he, yeah, I think he could have been drinking other stuff, but he was probably he liked to drink wine. Although, 
all the stories of her just likes to mix stuff into his wine. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a very sophisticated. Have you ever heard, seen interviews with him? I, I have not. No, he's a very sophisticated Englishman. Yeah, or at least he 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 talks that way, uh, and he's, you know, he he looks like, like something straight out of like a horror film at times too. Because, uh, but he's also had like a lot of health problems. Admittedly, because he said he did his fair share of drinking and drugs and you know, plenty of like a uh, you know, dangerous acts in the seventies and eighties uh, that his body's kind of been punishing him over the years. Uh, that's uh, why he basically stopped writing so he could work on his painting because he just felt it was a little less uh, physically stressful for him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a. I, I understand his art gallery, like his gallery shows are very like surreal. So, uh, but uh, I think we kind of covered all we can really on this film because, like I said, it's such a basic plot, but it's more. It's such a visual film too that it's it's hard to just discuss this without you know like go in full details yeah but at the same time it's like if you haven't seen it watch it it's such a great film uh, uh, oh Dr. yeah no i recommend it for anybody who's who's got any sort of interest in horror movies and you know i, I will admit i laughed more in some than i did get recoiled but <clears throat> it's been since a long time since i'd seen that i kind of forgot how silly some of the things are but also at the same time as you know uh, let me ask you did you root for the cinnabites to win i mean <clears throat> were you rooting for the cinnabites Are you there? Darby, are you there? I, okay, now I hear you. Uh, so, uh, we lost you for a second. Uh, did you root for the Cinnabites to win? Or the Cinnabites no. to win? Right. No, never. I am a Final Girl fan to the end. See, uh, I'm fine with the Final Girl, but I was definitely more like, oh, I want the Cinnabites to take them all. Like, it was definitely more like... Yeah, when I, you know, they were like... I, I always thought this is they're the heroes of this film, not the, not the girl... <laughs> Yeah, they were mentioning like you summoned us, you got to pay. Just as the one guy, when they find out he escaped, like okay, you know, they get their vengeance. You know, they rip him to shreds quickly. Right. But, well, yeah, that, I, my sense of fairness requires that the uh, the the only the people that summon them are to be uh, subjected to their to their horror. Everybody else is uh, everybody else. You know, they they need to get out of it. Yeah, if you have a mysterious box, don't solve it. You have no idea what it is. You just don't know what's in there. And that's, yeah. yeah. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay, so I guess what are we going to say? We say a good movie, bad movie, or a nerdy movie? What do you pick? Okay, um, for this one, th this one is still a good movie. They get nerdy later. We'll talk about that. But this is a good movie. I'm actually going to go with a nerdy film in my particular case because it's. I think it's more of like for like horror nerds, and it's a, this is that kind of movie that's. Yeah, I would never say it's a good movie because he will. He's honestly said there's a lot of things he wished he could have fixed. So I'm going to get a nerdy movie, not good movie. But we'll just clear this a good nerdy movie uh, for the podcast. Well, it, 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 it. All right, I'm I'm going to amend it. And say a nerdy movie because it definitely is for a horror wonk. Yeah, yeah, that that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's what makes it good. So, and as a horror wonk, I have to look past the fact that you know I, I forgive a lot. <laughs> exactly, that's the key to this film. So, yeah, I guess we'll just go ahead and declare this a nerdy movie because it really is. It's 
if you're a Barker fan, this is the you. This is a film to talk about just because it's the bar. It's Barker's first film. It's the you know. It's, if you're into horror monsters, you can, there's all sorts of hilarious discussions about the what the legacy of the Cenobites are. So it's if you're into SMM, this has that kind of. This is the film that's sort of for you to an extent. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, definitely one of those films. So uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed listening to this one. This has been the Good, the Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast. Uh, if you like us, please hit us up on a Facebook group, Fans Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Pod. Also on Twitter, Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Pod. And also, uh, let's see, Darby, where can we find you again? Um, well, you know, if if you want to find me everywhere, just go to my link tree slash Darby D. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and. Uh, yeah, but for the full complete list, you know, go look at my link tree slash Darby D. All right. Okay. Well, folks, thanks again for listening. And please, 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 if your wife's uh, getting a kind of weird vibe around you, uh, make sure there's not a uh, demon in your uh, attic. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. And at the same time, if your brother mysteriously disappears, don't move in the house he mysteriously was living in. And, and for God's sakes, you know, don't mess with the puzzle box. Just, yeah. just throw it away. Throw don't it away. Sol- anytime you find a box that looks strange, don't solve it. <laughs> don't don't touch the box. <laughs> Thanks again Please. for listening. Night. Awesome. That was great. Uh, I got to get uh, my kids in. Uh, uh, the-